Hey guys, it's Shawnee and welcome back to Lola Scotland Podcast. So recently I've been getting into watching Netflix again because there's not much else to do and I've been watching this series called The Innocence Files and it's so interesting mainly because there's so many wrongful convictions in America that you just don't even realise about and I think that's obviously because, well one, I don't live there so you don't see the news as much and well two if they're wrongfully convicted then I don't think there's like a huge amount goes on about it afterwards well that I can see anyway it's just a recommendation if you're bored and you're right into true crime like I am then it's such a good watch the first episode's all about problematic bite mark evidence and how there was two toddlers killed in Mississippi in the 90s and two separate men were convicted for the murders, not realising that they were actually linked. And they both got convicted on the bite mark evidence and it's just crazy. And they even mentioned about the fact that they took it as so reliable evidence because of the Ted Bundy case and how he got convicted on bite mark evidence as well. So I'm like, yeah, that's it's pretty crazy. I just think two separate guys going to jail for something that they didn't do and the real guys like out there and even when the first guy got convicted and charged the second murder happened and the police were just like oh well this is just another like non-related case or it's a copycat because he's in jail we've caught the guy it's just crazy so yeah if you are looking for something to watch then I would definitely recommend it I'm definitely going to be watching the next couple of episodes very soon because I was so into it and that's pretty much all I've been doing with my time is just finding like true crime documentaries and things like that docuseries on Netflix and Amazon Prime to watch and record episodes as well so nothing new here guys this next episode that I'm going to record today is going to be another case linked with mental health illness Like I said in the last one, I just think it's so important that right now, especially when it's coming up to mental health awareness in the UK, that I focus on cases that are directly related to mental health as well. Now, this one's really hard for me to, like, unlike the last one with Stephen, and I did feel like some kind of sympathy towards him even though he is a murderer and he's done something unspeakable and horrible I could still find it in myself to have some form of sympathy towards him because of how bad his mental health state was but see this one it's a hard pill to swallow if I'm honest it is yeah it's it's a heavy one this is the case of Teresa Riggy Now, Teresa Riggie was born in 1963 in California. She married Pasquale Riggie in 1989 in the US and then they moved to the UK in 1997. Teresa Baltimore married Pasquale Riggie on the 30th of September 1989. They lived in California, North America, where Riggie was brought up But in 1990, they relocated to Colorado. 
due to Mr Biggie's job as an engineer with Shell and I believe that's where he was from as well. In 1997 they moved again, again for Pasquale's job and they moved to Lowestoft in England where they lived for eight years. It was said that they enjoyed a life of considerable material wealth and travel and apart from a brief period working in a video business, Riggy did not work outside the home during their marriage. Before their marriage she had hoped to become a professional violinist or singer but an accident in her late teens had ended those plans and I'm not actually sure what they were particularly, what what happened to her when she was a teenager but and I know that much so despite their relationship deteriorating they did continue to live together and Riggy embarked on IVF treatment because they couldn't conceive a child on December 17 2001 Riggy gave birth to Augustino who was known as August and Gianluca who was known as Luke they were non-identical twins and born as a result of the IVF treatment. After their birth, Riggy was noted to be very possessive of the twins, would literally not accept any help or visits from people. She was notably very possessive over the twins. At the end of 2003, Riggy had previously frozen an embryo and she had it implanted, which resulted in the birth of Cecilia on August 9th 2004. In June 2004 the family then moved to the Netherlands again for Pasquale's job. They remained there until the end of July. They then returned to England as Riggy was dissatisfied with the level of Dutch antenatal care apparently. Several more attempts at IVF were unsuccessful which Riggy blamed on Pasquale because he had stress and upset her and this was according to the court reports. Fast forward to October, November time in 2006 where the pair split up. Pasquale moved to Aberdeen while Riggy stayed back in the Netherlands. In February 2007, Riggy and the children moved to Aberdeen so that Pasquale could have contact with the children and in 2009 the relationship deteriorated even further with Riggy attempting to stop Pasquale from seeing their children. When the children were allowed to visit Mr Riggy in 2010, they were wearing locators and they each had mobile phones that were tuned in to only dial Riggy's number so that she could know where they were at all times and if they were having any problems with their father at all, they could literally just call her straight from this specially set up mobile. So, I mean, if we stop there for a second, that seems strange. I mean understand that some parents out there would be like oh I think that's a great idea having a locator on your child if they ever went missing I can understand that but if they're going to their father's house for a visit if you have a locator on them and they have a mobile phone that they've been told that if anything is going down at their dad's house they're to phone her immediately and report back basically you kind of think that that's a breach of trust, like in my opinion. And, well, like I said, it is completely my opinion. I don't have any children, so I can't comment on that. But if I did have kids, I definitely wouldn't be, like, firing locator tags on them. I just find that a bit overbearing, if I'm honest. The pair also disagreed on Riggy's decision to homeschool the children, 
because Pascal wanted them to attend a local school, make friends, integrate with the community and Driggy was just thinking that that was a bad idea because of the the dangers in the world and it was quoted saying that the outside world was frightening, threatening and an unsafe place. So therefore she didn't want her children to go to a normal school and have contact with normal children. So fast forward again to the 20th of July 2010 and this is where things get a little bit strange. So Riggy and the children were both reported missing by Pascal Riggy. He has no idea where they are at this point. They are not in Aberdeen and well for all he knows they are missing because he's he has no contact. And it's important to note as well that in this time he wasn't having like proper contact with his children. She was trying to stop him from having contact with them quite often and he was being forced to seek legal advice and help with that. There was a court hearing scheduled. The mother and children were later traced to a house in Edinburgh and messengers at arms later arrived with a warrant to seize the children's passports and told Riggy of a court date that she would have to attend for custody. On August 2nd, the eve of the scheduled court hearing, Reggie had the a final conversation with her husband through the telephone. And on that telephone call, she told him that he had left her no choice and she replied by saying, say goodbye then, and hung up the telephone. That was the last time that he heard from Riggy. Two days later, on the 4th of August 2010, this is where things get bad. She had became obsessed with the idea that he wanted to take the children away. And this is what led up to the next string of events that happened that day on the 4th of August. Church music was playing in the background of their home. What happens next, we'll not know the order or what exactly happened. But what we do know is, on that day, neighbour Jordan Cochrane saw Riggy climb onto the balcony after a blast came from the flat that they were living in. And then he witnessed her intentionally falling head first from the balcony. He managed to break her fall and for that by the way what an absolute hero he doesn't know the full story at this point he has just seen this woman like clearly visibly upset and injured and threw herself from her balcony and he like throws himself underneath her so that she lands on top of him essentially saving her life so what a hero you are she was found to have four or five stab wounds, a collapsed lung, cuts to her neck, wrists and fractures. Building manager Derek Knight on the afternoon of August 4th heard the loud explosion at the property and he went to investigate. Police were called and what they saw they couldn't unsee. They saw three children lying side by side on the bedroom floor. They also found three knives nearby, each covered in blood, and noted large amounts of blood in numerous places throughout the house. 
Paramedics who went to the scene believed the children had been dead for some hours. Pathologists found all three children had multiple bruises and abrasions and had died of stab wounds to the chest. Police detectives that attended the scenes all reported that it was the most tragic case that they had ever seen. I mean, it's just... It's, I don't even have any words, to be honest. She used three separate knives to kill all three of her children. It was reported that she stabbed each of them at least eight times while the church music was playing in the background. All three were then laid out in their bloodied clothing on the bedroom floor before she then attempted to kill herself by jumping headfirst off the second floor balcony. She had also set off the gas in the apartment as well to create the explosion, but that didn't come to anything. I don't know what her thoughts were behind that, whether it was to set ablaze the house so that no one could get the bodies of her children or but that's obviously me just thinking that myself so after this she was taken to hospital because she didn't die she was very seriously injured but she she didn't die and she was telling people the paramedics the nurses etc that she was just trying to protect her children from the evil and that she just wants to be with her babies. She then stated that she loved her children and it was the evil she was trying to protect them from. So with the, the gas explosion, I've actually just found as well that she did remove the gas hob from its fittings and undone screws from burner valves allowing gas to escape. It is claimed that she made sure the windows and door were locked and ignited the gas causing it to explode. So I mean on top of causing like damage to the property that she was living in, she put other people's lives in danger as well because this is a flat and obviously if there's an explosion or anything like that in flats, it's not a it's not a nice thing, it's not a good thing. You only have to look at the Grenfell Towers to know that and not question it at all. It's horrific. And for one person to do that selfishly, thank God no one was hurt in that explosion, but it could have went a lot different. Advocate Deputy Alex Prentice QC told the High Court in Edinburgh she stated that she had a second chance and God saved her in order to make her husband pay for what he did. The court was told the American couple's children were born through IVF treatment and straight away Riggy had become very possessive. In a desperate attempt to gain access to his children, Mr Riggy started the legal action which led to the children's death. Which, by the way, I feel like that is extremely harsh of someone to have said in trial that basically because Mr Riggy was taking Mrs Riggy to court over custody because she was refusing to let him see the children, that is what caused the deaths of these three beautiful children. Well, no, actually, sir, What's caused the death of these three beautiful children is the fact that the mother had mental health issues and she was clearly not okay for a long time and there was no help or intervention. 
it led to a terrible tragedy. Riggy was originally charged with murdering the children, but the Crown then accepted her guilty plea to culpable homicide on the basis of diminished responsibility. Donald Finlay QC defendant said, Teresa Riggy is not evil. She is not wicked. She is not a monster. If it's possible to love one's children too much, she loved them too much. They were a part of her, as she was a part of them. She believed she and the children were safer together in death than they ever could be in life. It wasn't the children who were to die that day. It was all four of them who were to die that day. He said a space had been left beside her children where she was to take their place. Psychiatrists who examined her had found out that she was narcissistic, paranoid and had historic personality disorder. He said at the time of the killing she was suffering from acute stress reaction. Psychiatrists agreed that she was suffering from personality disorder but they had also noted that she has responsibility for her actions and the sentence must reflect that. Then at the sentencing, she was sentenced to 16 years in prison after pleading guilty to the culpable homicide of Augustino Gianluca and Cecilia Riggi in August 2010. On sentencing, Lord Brackdale made the following statement in court. You have pled guilty to charges of repeatedly stabbing to death each of your twin son, Austin and Luke, aged nine years, and your daughter, Cecilia, aged five years. The result of these acts is a devastating family tragedy. The father of the children, Pascal Riggi, and the wider family have been left utterly bereft by the loss of their children. And you, who had a genuine but abnormal possessive love of your children, have lost them and are brought to this sorry pass. I accept that it was your intention to commit suicide, and that in a number of different ways you attempted to do that. Indeed, but for the quick thinking and brave action of Mr Jordan Cochrane in breaking your fall when you jumped from the second storey balcony, you may well have succeeded. There has been extensive examination of your state of mind by psychiatrists. You are not mentally ill. The psychiatrists have argued that you were suffering from personality disorders which substantially impaired your ability to make decisions. As a result, the Crown have accepted your plea of guilty to culpable homicide on the basis of diminished responsibility. Mr Finlay has fully explored the development of the events as you saw them which brought you to the stage where you committed these acts. You and others must understand that while your responsibility is diminished, you are still responsible for your actions. The number and nature of the stab wounds to each child is indicative of a truly disturbing degree of violence, which, in order to bring about the deaths of three children, must have been sustained over a significant period of time. It is difficult to envisage the physical commission of such acts. Dr Crichton considers that the degree of violence and the sustained nature of it are inexplicable in terms of the disorder of the mind. 
it is clear that any degree of responsibility for such a ghastly and grotesque act must be visited with a lengthy sentence of imprisonment and pass a sentence of 16 years imprisonment backdated to the 4th of August 2010. So that's that's a lot as a judge to deal with I think and to make that to make that statement and to be honest I feel like it was a fair statement in the sense that he was completely taking into account her mental health state but also three children died. The behaviours that led to this act were not good either. My heart breaks for the father in this situation. He has lost three beautiful children and see if you look at the pictures which I'll put on Instagram as well I mean just a typical happy looking family three beautiful children and it's just horrendous that this happened to them it really is he said I will never forget Austin Luke and Cecilia they left everlasting impressions on me. I think about them at least a hundred times each day. They're in my thoughts when I wake in the morning and before I go to sleep at night. They were such wonderful, energetic, bright and happy children. Those of us that had the pleasure of knowing Cecilia, Luke and Austin looked forward to watching them grow while they independently navigate through their unique life's journey. We are so thankful for the opportunity we had to know and love them and the memories that we made together, allowing us to cherish them so dearly now. The horrific manner in which my children died will leave an inevitable mark on the rest of my life. As a father, my natural instincts were geared towards safeguarding my children from the dangers of this world. It pains me to the core that I am unable to protect them from the selfish, brutal and murderous act that ended their lives so unfairly. There is no justification for this heinous crime, repeated three times, nor is there any sentence that can provide justice for the overwhelming loss of the three lives and the subsequent pain and grief and devastation caused to the surviving family and friends. I mean, does that not just hit you? Does that not just hit you? I swear, when I read that the first time, I had goosebumps, honestly. Riggy was held at Cortonville Prison near Stirling, but after a string of alleged attacks from other inmates in 2001, she was then moved to Brampton Secure Hospital in Northamshire. It was reported that Riggy was disfigured for life by a fellow inmate while being held in Cortonville Women's Prison and that's the reason why she had to move to a secure psychiatric unit. I mean, I feel like if you kill your children then you go to jail. It's inevitable that the other women in that jail will pick you out from the crowd or pick on you if you understand like you've done the most unspeakable thing out of all crimes the worst crime is crime done to children and that's just a fact of life that's not even just my opinion 
everyone listening to this right now will have the exact same feeling as me. If a crime happens to a child, it is a hundred times worse. So anyone in that jail that heard her story and heard about her stabbing each of her children eight times each to keep them away from her husband and that's just the the small version of it that they will probably have heard not even all the details then you know that you're going to get picked on no matter what jail you go to that's just that's just the rules fast forward to 2014 around march time and 49 year old Theresa Riggie who is in Rampton Hospital in Nottinghamshire has successfully committed suicide. Staff found her body in the early hours of the morning and called paramedics but she was pronounced dead at the scene. So Riggie in the end got what she wanted which was to be with her children in death and to be honest that's I understand that she has mental health issues and things like that but I just think that that was not fair. That's not just. She's committed this horrible crime and she was sentenced to 16 years in prison as her punishment. She shouldn't be able to get rid of that punishment and have the release that she wants of death because that's what she wants she believes in god she believes in heaven she believes that she will be with her children she believes that she will go with her children because she was acting on the children's behalf when she murdered them so in her head she's not going to hell or wherever she's she's going to be with her children it's like I just feel sorry for the father so much more but then I suppose he never has to deal with her coming out of jail at any point in his lifetime but yeah it's just uh it was a really sobering story that I read and I watched some YouTube videos as well and they are really good if you want to go watch them because a detective that investigates she is interviewing the detectives that were on the scene at the time and you get their reaction and to be honest it really just solidifies like how gruesome and how traumatic it was for these police officers to walk into this scene of despair and that's something that they'll never be able to unsee it's just wow that's all i can say wow so again she was diagnosed with personality disorder i believe that she wasn't living her life with a mental health issue it was just this episode had like brought it to light even though anyone could probably say you should probably get checked out when she was doing like the crazy things with like not allowing the kids to go to school because of the evil in the world and being so overprotective of them not allowing people to come near them and not allowing their father to see them because she didn't trust him and locator devices and 
specially programmed mobile phones. Surely that's not a normal way to act with your children. Surely. Surely somebody should have seen that and thought, something's not right. I mean, clearly the father did because he was trying to get custody of the children. They were supposed to be going to court around the time of the deaths of the three children. It's just sad that the events played out the way they did. So yeah guys, I hope you enjoyed this one and as always, please find me on Instagram, Lawless Scotland and Twitter, Lawless Scotland, all one word. You'll see the pictures from this episode and all the other previous episodes. So get on there, give them a like, write some comments. If you know anything about any of these cases that I talk about that I've maybe missed or maybe I've just forgot to add in there, then write it on the picture. Let's get a wee discussion going. And remember, because it's mental health awareness coming up soon, please, if you're struggling in any way with any kind of mental health, can you seek help? Talk to someone that you trust. Talk to someone that you know and feel comfortable with. If you don't have that support, then please reach out to all the charities that are available online such as the NHS website in the UK. They have so many advice and helplines that you can go to. And there's also Mind Charity, which is www.mind.org.uk. And they have so many resources for people. So again, if you're struggling in any way, especially at this time where life is not normal, it's okay to feel not normal. But reach out if you feel like it's getting too much and try and speak to someone. Thanks guys again for listening and I'll see you on the next one. Bye. (laughs)